Welcome to Travels in a Mathematical World, a podcast from the Institute of Mathematics and its applications, the IMA. My name's Peter Rowlett, this is episode 53, 53 is prime, and is the smallest multi-digit balanced prime. That those are primes which are the average of their prime neighbours. This week on the podcast we hear from Robert Harter, who talks about his PhD research at the University of Manchester into linear water wave problems. Right, well my research area is water waves. I'm looking at uh, uniqueness and non-uniqueness problems in linear water wave theory. And um, so this problem has interested uh, researchers over the course of the past 50 years, really. For a long period of time, people thought that uh, the linear water wave problem, you could never get a non-unique solution out of it. And over the course of the past 50 years, there have been quite a few proofs of uniqueness for particular configurations or classes of system. For example, if you're looking at submerged cylinders, um, you know, right. and you send in waves of any frequency on this submerged cylinder and there's, there's only one solution. And so for, for a long period of time, people were building up this uh, body of evidence to suggest that there was never going to be a, a non-unique solution. But then in the past um, 15 years, I suppose, a, a counter-example was found. That's always the the case, isn't it? If you uh, you only need one counterexample, and then that messes it up. And so this, yeah. And so this uh, counterexample was found by um, uh, a lecturer at Loughborough University, and she she constructed a velocity potential which which satisfies a particular homogeneous boundary value problem, non-trivial velocity potential, and um, and then she showed that the streamlines could be interpreted physically as um, the boundaries of surface piercing bodies and so and what this means physically is if you send in these waves on these these bodies um, the energy of the system is trapped localized to this uh, region around the bodies and uh, and doesn't and you know there's no energy radiated to infinity and so since then emphasis obviously has been placed on finding more examples of non-uniqueness so what does that mean <laughs> practically you the cylinders in water yeah yeah so what sort of, how would you apply that? What does that mean? Well, I suppose long term you're talking about extraction of um, wave energy, aren't you? And, um, oh, I see. Yeah, and also if you've got this, this localised oscillations, you've got resonant forces. You know, there's, not, there's also um, examples of near trapping have been found. So you get, uh, like I've said, resonant forces. So if you imagine, for example, oil rigs in the ocean hmm. at particular frequencies... You might get particularly large forces on the um, legs. Yeah, on yeah. the legs of the of the oil rigs, and obviously um, structurally, you need to uh, be able to counter this by having strong legs. Right. Okay. So, what does it mean? You said about the non-units and the energy not going to infinity. What does that mean? Does, if, it, if the energy doesn't go anywhere, it damages it, the structure. It, it stays there. Yes. Yes. Mm. I see. And so hopefully there will be some way of extracting this energy. I see, right, yes. Yeah. And so my my area of research really is focused on um, extending other people's work that's already known. Because in, in linearised waterway theory, a lot of the time, I work with sur uh, surface tension, which is uh, a parameter which is often ignored in, uh, in the calculations, because it adds an additional uh, term in the free surface boundary condition. Right. And uh, and people normally assume that surface tension won't make much of a difference. Does it? 
Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't, yeah. <laughs> we found some interesting results about it, yeah. If you, um, we looked at one particular problem, which was, it was actually the first example of a submerged pair of bodies, which support trap modes, right. as they're called. And, uh, and we found that by increasing surface tension enough, you could, um, these surface piercing bodies move closer to the free surface and eventually penetrate the free surface, so there's a qualitative change in the, in the solution at that point. Right. And I also look at, um, I use uh, asymptotics a lot in my work, so it's quite satisfying really to get, uh, I do all the numerical work and I find, well, something's not gone right there, something's happening, and then to find that your asymptotics agree with... Um, what your numerics are showing, you know, yes. to a high high level of accuracy, yeah. <laughs> it's a confirmation for me that I've got the results right, rather than just thinking about, you know, I don't like it when it's just uh, you've got a grid and you think, well, let's make it really fine and mm. do so many million computations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really uh, do much for me. So uh, another piece of work we did was um, these these uh, surface piercing bodies that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. We included surface tension in that problem. And we found that there was no uh, no change to the, the streamlines, no matter what value of surface tension you give. But a problem with um, including surface tension when the body is submerged is you need to include an additional boundary condition at the point of contact mm -hmm. between the fluid and the, the body. So what is the, the shape of the meniscus as it moves up and down the body? Yeah. How does that vary? And that's a very hard problem because, in actual fact, nobody really knows what condition to apply. So... Um, so the work we did, we, we basically, well, because we're talking about trapping of energy, the only physically sensible conditions to use are conditions which don't dissipate energy at the contact points. And, uh, and there were two of those, I won't go into the details of what they are, but uh, in both cases we found that you could get these trap modes still for any value of surface tension. And at the moment we're looking at just extending our work to... Um, uh, if we change the boundary conditions slightly on the free surface, then we can have uh, an elastic plate on the free surface. Yes. And it, an elastic plate has been uh, proposed as a good model for ice, so ice out in the, the Arctic or whatever. And um, So modelling what happens to ice over time? Yeah. So is anyone applying your work? Well, I, think at, you're building on other I think at the moment this is sort of... It's hypothetical work. You wouldn't really expect to see it in reality. Right. But I, I figure as long as it's furthering our understanding, eventually it might lead to something yes. bigger. Yeah. Do you see a, what sort of thing? What sort of thing do you think it might lead to? Do you think it'll lead to wave energy, extracting wave energy? Or? Well, potentially. I mean, only the other day my supervisor was talking to me about... Um, I don't really know the details because he only mentioned this to me the other day, but if you have some... Um, you can trap energy by using uh, uh, pH, so electricity, I think it is. And, you know, if you send a, a current through the um, the ice or something, there's some way of trapping energy in that way. I'm not too sure about the details. Yeah. <laughs> you can tell, but uh, that's, that's uh, potential. Yeah. Right, I hope you enjoyed listening to that. You'll be able to find show notes relating to today's episode. Uh, in a blog post, you can find a link to that and to all previous episodes of the podcast by visiting www.travelsinamathematicalworld.co.uk. You can find out more about the IMA and students by visiting www.ima.org.uk/student. If you're interested in what I do, 
uh, finding me on Twitter and links to Facebook and all that sort of thing, uh, a good starting point is peterollett.net. Thank you for listening.